who are joining us in the fellowship hall and online today. It's good to be able to study the Word of God together. Today is the first Sunday of the season of Advent, the traditional season of preparation for Christmas that begins with the voice of the prophet resounding through the shopping malls of Black Friday, calling us to buy things, bake things, decorate things, and wrap things. Prepare ye for your increased electric bill and for hours of untangling Christmas lights to hang in the cold. Prepare ye for fights with relatives you really don't understand. Prepare ye for financial stress brought on by buying too many things with too little money. Prepare ye for the gamut of eight days of preparation, for eight hours of cooking eaten in eight minutes. Prepare to do battle with your diet as you seek to look good for this year's Christmas pictures while being besieged and tempted on every side by the dancing of sugar plums. Prepare your creative arsenal to recreate the simple, nostalgic magic and wonder of your childhood Christmas amid exaggerated sighs and eye rolls of your children. And as the toys that you unwrap do the singing, dancing, entertaining, and playing for you while you all watch from the couch. Prepare ye the way for this. Anyone else think we might be missing something? The truth is, while all those things might be part of preparing to celebrate the American cultural celebration, sometimes spelled Xmas, as Christians, if we're honest with ourselves, we know none of these things have much, if anything, to do with the birth of Jesus the Christ. And while they might be part of the traditions of our families or our culture, they're really not part of the ancient spiritual practice of the season called Advent. It's about a radically different kind of preparation. You see, long before any retail marketer ever dreamed of the concept of Black Friday, those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord have been setting aside this time to intentionally prepare to receive the real gift that God gave us when he entered into the messiness of human life in the flesh to be God with us. But how do we do that? Some of you might think that preparing for the birth of Jesus is kind of silly because clearly Jesus has already been born. Jesus has come and lived and died and rose again for us. So why are we in this season talking like he hasn't already come into our world and into our lives? Well, because the truth is we often live like he hasn't, don't we? Much like our relationships with people, our relationship with our Lord can get off course through the busyness of life. I mean, it's kind of like when you clean out your room and then you feel super organized and good and then somewhere down the road you look around and realize you can't even see the floor anymore. And you don't know how that happened. The same is true with our spiritual lives. We need seasons in life to clean house, to put things back in their proper places so we can see again our foundation and remember what this is all about. You see, strangely, what we need to prepare for is to see it's not about what we do at all. All of this is about the one who comes for us. Advent is a word that means the arriving, the dawning. And the color of Advent is blue, the color of the night sky just before the dawn, when the sun is just about to appear and change the way we see everything. It's a season that reminds us, even when things are very dark, we have hope because God's promises are as sure as the dawn. 
and the God who has worked to save us in Jesus Christ isn't finished with you yet. Advent reminds us that what God came to do for us in Jesus Christ is a gift for us, and he is still unfolding that gift. And every year he wants to reveal more and more of who he is in us until the day he comes again to bring us home. Sometimes we can miss that, though, because our preparations to celebrate the American version of Christmas often tend to shove us in the opposite direction of the spiritual preparations of Advent. Because our cultural Christmas tends to be all about wrapping things up. The holiday spirit demands that we cover over the drab and the broken things of our lives with festive holiday cheer and decorations. That we spend like a Kardashian, even if we can't afford to, and be jolly because Santa is watching and otherwise you'll get coal in your stocking. No Grinches, no Scrooges, fa la 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 la. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure to try to fake it till you make it with Christmas cheer. But what gets lost is the why. Why are we joyful? Where does that joy come from? And spoiler alert, it's not from you. And it's not going to be found in those gift wrap boxes under the tree. It's not found in sparkling things up. In fact, it's found in the opposite. The prophet's call of Advent is not to wrap up, cover up, or make anything pretty. It's a call to get real. To face the fact that there are some things that have been built up between your heart and what you truly need. And it's time to tear down the barriers, to declutter the path and look up so that nothing keeps you from seeing the one who comes, not for your baking, not for your gifts, but only for you. He comes, Jesus comes for you. No matter this year if you've been naughty or nice, if you've been successful or found everything fall apart around you, he still comes for you. And that's the joy. His love for you. Will your heart be prepared to greet him? Now those are two very different kinds of preparations when we look at those two things. So what happens when we try to do both at the same time? I mean, can we even do it? Can we prepare to celebrate Christmas along with our culture in a way that actually helps us receive the truth of what it means and maybe even helps other people see that truth too? Well, I think it is possible, but it certainly won't happen by accident. But we know, when we know what it is we're preparing for, that makes all the difference. My first year in seminary in pastor school was right out of college, and I have to confess, when I started seminary, I was still mentally in college mode. I was really big on figuring out what the professor wanted to hear and then memorizing those things for the test and then conquering that test and then dumping out all that information out of my brain to study for the next one. But over the summer of my first year, working at Bible camp, I spent time with kids hearing their questions, trying to help them understand who Jesus is and what he means. And I found after that summer, when I went back to my classes, my focus had changed entirely because now I knew what I was preparing for. When I was focused in on the tests, I was focused on accomplishing, get the A and move on. And honestly, that was all about my pride. 
But when I had real people in mind, their questions, their longing for more, suddenly I was desperate to be as equipped as possible to help people know what really mattered, the character of the God who loves us, his heart, his purpose, his passions, the things of eternity. When I saw the purpose, it changed how I prepared. And I still took the tests, of course, but they were no longer what I was preparing for. They were a tool that helped prepare me. And what score I got on the test didn't matter to me anymore. Much. <laughs> not as much as whether or not I'd internalized the message in a way that I could actually pass it on. Knowing what I was preparing for made all the difference. So this Christmas, do you know what you're preparing for? As you unpack your boxes of decorations and you start filling up the calendar, I want to ask, do you know, what do you want for Christmas? Because where your preparations lead, that's where you're going to end up going. And it's best to know right now, is it worth the trip? Or is there another destination that Jesus has in mind for you? Is there another way he would have you prepare for something much more worthwhile that he wants to reveal? If what you're putting your energy into is recreating a perfect Christmas like one of some nostalgic past, you might accomplish that. You might get an A on the test. But the bigger question is, did you actually receive the message, the hope, in a way that you could pass it on? The title of our Advent series this year is what do you want for Christmas? Because this year we're inviting you to ask yourself, what are you looking for? Amid your packages and tinsel and baked goods and nostalgia, what is your heart really longing for? What do you want for Christmas? Because chances are it's going to be found in the presence of the one who is waiting for an invitation to your celebration. Will you intentionally invite Jesus to his birthday this year? Because if it's for him that you're preparing, that's going to make a difference in how you prepare, right? Anytime you're planning to intentionally celebrate a person, to throw a birthday party or a welcome home, before you even start planning, the first thing you ask is, what would he want? What is going to delight the heart of the person that I'm celebrating? So now is the time to ask yourself, is celebrating Jesus the purpose of your Christmas? And if so, what do you think is going to delight his heart in your celebrations? And how do you prepare your heart for that? And that leads us into our scripture for today. Because in the church, the season of Advent historically begins with the reading of a prophecy from the book of Isaiah 600 years before the birth of Jesus that says that God was going to send an advance team to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Mark opens his gospel this way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
God called John the Baptist to fulfill that 600-year-old prophecy, and the way people were to prepare to receive Jesus didn't have anything to do with preparing homes or food or gifts. Instead, he calls us to clean house in the heart through something called repentance. And the word repent means to change your direction, to turn around. Because the truth is you can be so close to what will bring your heart hope and joy and still miss it. Unless you're woken up to notice, unless you turn your face toward what it is you seek and turn your back toward what you're leaving behind. John calls his people to prepare to greet Jesus by turning away from what had our attention and turning instead to greet the Lord whose presence is the point. So for us, for you and for me, this kind of preparation starts by us asking ourselves, what is it for us that keeps us from looking for and seeing the Lord's presence in our lives? What do we need to turn our focus from in order to be able to see him and welcome his arrival to us? The reading from Isaiah 40 talks about that in terms of preparing a road. Isaiah 40 says, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. So the call to repent, to prepare, is in some ways kind of like a call to construction work. Because we first need to recognize that there are some things in the way that challenge our sight lines, and then to address that. So what are the mountains in your life right now? What are the things that have built up in your life that have kept you from seeing where God is moving? Is it a mountain of fear or worry? A mountain of concern over what others think of you? Is it a mountain of unforgiveness, of bitterness that's become all that you can see? Is there something in your path that needs dynamiting to clear the way for you to see again the one who loves you? What mountains are standing in your way? Or what valleys? Are there things that you trip and fall into and then can't seem to see your way out of? Valleys of hurt or depression or grief or pain? If you can't admit that you're in a pit, how will you realize that there is more to see at the surface beyond what you can see now? See, it might sound a little strange, but hope actually begins with confessing what you can't see. Because that confession is, at its heart, a statement of trust that there is more to see that can and will be revealed on the other side of that valley. And when you answer the question, what do you want for Christmas, you have to begin from where you are. Every journey has to begin there. And maybe for you today, as you look at the huge potholes and the obstacles in the road between you and God, between you and hope, you might think, this is hopeless. I can't prepare the way. I cannot bulldoze these mountains myself. And I can't fill in these valleys when I'm stuck in them myself. This is more than I can do. And if you're there, you're right. And you've just taken the first necessary preparation to be able to receive well the one who comes for you. Because the truth is, that's the good news that John is calling us to see today. 
Notice he calls us to prepare the way, but he doesn't call us to travel this road that's being prepared. We're called to prepare the way for the Lord because he is the one who's traveling it. He comes to you and to me. Because seeing our inability to reach him by constructing the right roads, seeing our incurable tendency to detour from life and keep veering off the road into death over and over again, knowing we could never make our way to him, our God has done something utterly undeity-like. He saw that if we were to be with him, it is he who must come to us to come after us, to follow even into death to retrieve us and take us back home to life. And he loves us so much that he would do it. He would choose to be born into this broken world to find us, to take our hand and lead us home. You see, the good news is, no matter how high is the mountain between you, if your heart is seeking him, he will level it to reach you. And no matter how deep the valley is that you're lost in, he will climb into it and find you. He's already traveled through the valley of the shadow of death and climbed back into new life already for you. So you can trust that no valley that you created will even slow him down. Because the words of the prophet say, every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Because ultimately, beloved, it's he who does the leveling, and nothing will stop the coming king. He is coming. He is come. He is Lord. And in this season of our waiting, he waits for us to turn and see the purposes of our preparation are not for him, but for us. He doesn't need us to clear the way for his sake, but for ours. So little by little, our small hearts open to the wonder of the love of the God who arrives at our heart's doorstep and knocks. See, God's love for you is what this season is all about. The love of God that longs to reach you amid the shame and the fear and the self-protection, the things that we build up between us. Advent is a reminder, love is on the way. And like a polite guest, he's giving you notice. He's coming to you. Will you prepare to receive him for who he is and who he wants to be in you? So how do we do that? What's a way to begin in this Advent season? Well, first of all, I'd like to invite you to spend some time with God and a journal this week. And honestly ask yourself that question, what do you want for Christmas? Where is your heart right now? And where do you want it to be? to acknowledge your mountains and your valleys and to ask the Lord to help level them so you can see his arrival more clearly in your life. And then secondly, intentionally invite Jesus to his party. <laughs> Think about what God is showing us about who he is in sending Jesus and who Jesus is, what Jesus loves, what delights his heart. And think about ways you might honor him in what you plan this year. And here are some practical tools that might help you do this. 
Today we have at our front desk an Advent devotional that was actually written by members of Community of Grace, their own thoughts about waiting and hope on the Lord as they prepare for Christmas. So feel free to pick up a copy from the front desk and use it to launch your own daily remembering to look for the Lord in your own life. And then secondly, over the next three Wednesdays of Advent at 11.30, around the noon hour, there'll be music and scripture meditation here in the sanctuary to help center your heart on the meaning of this season, if you have time free in the middle of the day. And then third, this is the season that our church serves homeless families, numerically largely homeless children in our basement. And Jesus said, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. So if you'd like to know more about volunteering for Project Home, see Perry in the comments. He can answer your questions. Or finally, here's another small practical way that I put Advent in my Christmas preparations. Whenever I put up my Christmas tree, I take time to remember the symbolism. The tree is an evergreen, a reminder that we're held by God's eternal promise. And the lights on the tree remind us that Jesus came to be the light of a dark world. And as we place the ornaments on the tree, they symbolize, at least to me, who we are. That we're all held by the promise of God, that we're lit by Jesus' presence. So in my devotional time through the month of December, I put up different ornaments each day because each of those ornaments have different histories. They make me think of different people or different situations. And as I put those memories on the tree, I pray for those people. I thank God for them. I pray for what they represent, and I thank Jesus for what he came to be in our lives. And all those people are connected by the one who holds us. And as I place those ornaments, I pray that they will feel that they are being upheld by his strong arms. And as I pray that for them, I also feel those strong arms upholding me. Now only you know what's going to help you prepare, to prepare the way for the Lord in your heart this season. But as you ask that question, what do you want for Christmas? I pray today that you may know he's already prepared it all by Jesus' death and resurrection for you to meet you where you are on the road. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us that you loved us so much that you would choose to meet us in our broken world, in our broken lives, with your healing love and presence. We pray, Lord, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas this year, that our hearts would be prepared to receive the truth of who you are in a new way, to hear your voice and your call on our lives, and to receive the true joy, the true love that lasts so much longer than the gifts under the tree. Lord, prepare us to hear your voice this year. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.